Um, hey, let's, let's do a little sandwich here uh, for Vision Minute. Last week, I, I, like, like Pedro said, I just want to thank you for showing up big. Y'all showed up big. Give yourselves a round of applause. Yeah. I mean, y'all, y'all had me nervous on Friday, Thursday. I'm like, are we going to eat? Are the refugees going to show up and we're just not going to eat? Uh, but you came in so strong and we had donations. Uh, you guys put your, you, you guys put every, like basically the guy that I talked to, the guy that, uh, his name's Alimentha. He, he runs uh, Welcome Home. He was overwhelmed. He was almost in tears because of what you guys came out and did. He's like, most people, they just put out a little snack. Uh, and they throw a couple balls out there, but we came out big. And here's what that means. Uh, that's, us, that's us putting deposits in the city. All right, it's like taking a coin, putting a deposit in the city. And over and over again, we're gonna do that. And that was like 40 deposits, I think, last week, in my estimation, where we love people, uh, we, we, we love these immigrants, we love these refugees. And over time, the city's gonna look at us and go, man, y'all, y'all care. Y'all don't just get together on Sunday in a little room and talk about Jesus and talk about yourselves, but you care about the whole city and will gain a reputation. It's so big. So let's use this as a launching point. Sign up for Family Promise. I know it's a stretch. I know it's school. I got three kids I'm putting in school. that, That week is like, why does it have to be that week? I got you. I feel you. But just stretch yourself, okay? Everybody stretch yourself from top to bottom. All right, that's last week. Next week, I just want to let you know again, uh, my wife and I are talking about really, really the top biblical truths that we learned. So my wife is going to preach up uh, here with me. If you don't know, she's a phenomenal communicator. She's going to uh, come up here and preach with me. Uh, and we're going to talk about the, the top, uh, top biblical truths we learned about singleness and marriage. Uh, we learned a ton about singleness. So this is for the single folks, too. Uh, we weren't really looking for marriage. All right, we weren't one of those people who were like, I need to find marriage. That was not us. Uh, we, we were chasing after Jesus, and we met each other in the marathon line, okay? So I, I was a strapping young lad back then. Uh, I had, uh, past tense, I had rippling biceps. Uh, now they're like uh, rotten cherry tomatoes, but they were big and like exciting back then. She didn't even notice me for like the first four months, legit. Uh, and I told her four months in, I'm going to plant a church, babe. I don't know if it's going to work. I told her just like that. She's like, wow, that's harsh. Uh, but I'm like, I'm going to serve Jesus. Uh, and and, and in, in our chase for Jesus, we found each other and we fell in love with each other. So it's a lot about singleness, a lot about marriage, the things we learned at our 10-year mark. Uh, again, 10 years is not that big in most parts of the country. But people look at me here, they're like, you've been married for 10 years? What happened? Did you make it, you know, they just kind of look at me like I'm crazy. So uh, we're going to give our 10-year mark uh, practical biblical truths. So join us next week. Uh, That's kind of the sandwich, two pieces of bread last week, this week. Let's go into the meat this week. We're in Mark 630. Mark 630. Would you turn there with me, Mark 630? Flip on your phone, do whatever you got to do. If you're brand new, we're going verse by verse in the gospel according to Mark uh, for a whole year plus. Verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. They told him all that they had done and taught. All right, last week, Pastor Pedro did a fantastic job. Get up, Pastor Pedro. Yeah. No golf claps here, all right? It was a phenomenal message. He walked us through practically what it meant that these people got sent out and they got sent out independence. So they couldn't bring an extra pair of shoes, an extra tunic. They didn't wear shoes, they wear sandals. No staff. They couldn't bring a Lunchable. They couldn't bring no food. They couldn't get an Airbnb. They just had to show up for Jesus. 
and the, the dependence was real, and they gave of themselves. They healed people in the name of Jesus. They cast out demons in the name of Jesus. It was like a, it was like a missions trip on spirit steroids. All right? Raise your hands. How, how many have been on a missions trip? Good, good, good. So a missions trip, look. A missions trip, the dependence is real. The power is real. So when you leave yourself, and usually we're pretty self-consumed and we're all about us from morning till night. When you leave yourself, you leave the country, you leave your state for Jesus, you represent your boldness, you get out of your comfort, you do all these things for Jesus. Something happens and it's super powerful. It's super powerful. The dependence is real. The power is real. So they're out there doing this. They're so, they didn't even eat. These people are just serving Jesus. They come back. They didn't even eat, which brings me to my second part of this, this little missions trip that, on spirit steroids that they went on. They came back fatigued. And if you've been on a missions trip, you know the fatigue is real. All right, the second one I went on uh, was, was Puerto Rico. How, how many are from Puerto Rico? Shout out. Nobody. All right, beautiful country. Just have to take my word for it. Beautiful country, beautiful people. I went to Puerto Rico. God changed my life there. I ran hard and fast for Jesus. He worked in my life. Uh, but, but we came back and like a bunch of uh, American folks, uh, we went to the beach, right? In PR, we're like, it's a day off. It's our rest day. We went to the beach. But like a bunch of American folks were like, it's cloudy outside. All right. Uh, we realize we're right next to the equator, but what's the, I mean, what's the big deal? So, so we get on the beach and, and we all, you know, exposed, you know, what you do on the beach and, and people got sun poisoning in minutes. Like there were boils on, on white people's skins. I mean, it was, it was rough, especially for the white folks. They come back and they're like, oh man, my life is ruined. And so, so we had a rough trip at the back end of the trip. We get back. I was in college at this time. We get back to the dorm uh, and, and we're waiting for our parents to pick us up the next day. I kid you not, big hairy dude, 22 years old, big and hairy. He's crying and asking for his mom. I'm not even playing. This dude was done, and none of us judged him because we were all thinking the same thing. I'm like, I want a double cheeseburger with mac sauce, and I want my mommy. Can someone rock me back and forth in a chair because I'm fatigued, and I need a double cheeseburger and some shopping? Like, that's just how I felt coming back from this missions trip. Uh, and, and so the fatigue is real. It's real. And, and so they, they limp to Jesus. These folks limp to Jesus. And they tell Jesus, this is what we did. But Jesus is concerned about their fatigue first. See, an important theology that you need to know is that Jesus is both fully man and fully God. Both fully man and fully God. I don't have time to break it all down today. But in his fully manness, he's been tired too. He's got empathy. He's got sympathy. He's been broken. We'll talk about it later. He rested no more than 11 times. The scripture just says, and Jesus rested. And Jesus was chilling. Not in those words. But he rested no less than 11 times because Jesus knows what it's like to be tired. The fatigue is real. And this is the next verse. This is what Jesus says to them. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. They couldn't even eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. These people were working so hard, they didn't even get a snack. They come back, and Jesus calls them to an important word, a desolate place. Can you all say desolate, one, two, three? Desolate. He calls them to a desolate place, an important idea with him. Come away. Let's get on a boat. Let's go to a desolate place. More on that in a minute. Let's talk about fatigue really quick. There's three, three types of fatigue I want to talk about today. There's the physical. There's the physical fatigue. I know y'all's in triple sessions, 
but people here are in fatigue every single day because y'all get, y'all, get y'all get on the train at whatever, 6 a.m., some stupid time, uh, and, and the, the city until today or until yesterday is just humid and stupid, right? And so you get off the train, you're sweating in places that you don't want to talk about. You get, you get to the job, they got you working until 8 p.m. at some of these jobs. Your, your, your team has a project that has to happen today, and so they got you there until 8 p.m., and then you get back on the stupid train, and you, go, you come home, and you, you, get, you get into your, your room, and you just start talking to your bed like it's a human. Hey, boo. You just, hey, hey, how are you? You'll never let me down. You just start talking to your bed because you're just done. There's physical fatigue. And then there's emotional fatigue. Maybe you're with that person who's just emotionally draining all day. You been around these people? They just drop all of their issues in your bank. They're just like, here they are. I'm going to call them, I just can't. They're, ju- they're just can't people. I just can't with this train. I just can't with this coffee. This coffee needs more creamer. I just can't with this fork. How can they make a fork with just three prongs? These people can't do anything. They can't survive on their own. And they're dropping their I just can't on you all day. It's like they squeeze out on you like a sponge. And you're dripping wet with their burdens from, from the whole day. Maybe your day is like one of, those, one of those movies. Those movies where everything is dark and exhausting and emotional. Right? Everybody dies and they roll the credits and you're like, I hate this movie. But that's your day. You read the news too much. Uh, people drop too much on your plate and you get home and you are emotionally tired. You're physically tired. There's emotional fatigue. And then there's spiritual fatigue. We are in a spiritual battle. Whether you know it, the Bible does what it can to tell you about this spiritual battle and you can either oblige it and go, hey, I'm a part of this, or you can listen to what Satan's trying to do, which is hide the spiritual battle. But either way, there's spiritual fatigue. And some of y'all have been out all day serving Jesus. Serving Jesus meaning you're loving people, you're listening to people, you're praying for people, you're, you're, with, you're with people who are financially struggling. You're just serving Jesus all day, and they're, you're hearing all their stories, and they're just coming into your heart bank, and they're coming into your mind bank, and, and you're just weighed down. It was a good day. You saw God move. People were healed in the name of Jesus, emotionally, physically, spiritually. They're just, emo- they're just been healed, and, and, and here you come, but you're, you're broken. It's like you're wandering off the, the spiritual battlefield. You're, you're, you're bandaging yourself up. You're like, Jesus, I am tired. There's, there's spiritual fatigue. There's emotional, there's physical, there's spiritual fatigue. And I've been serving Jesus for about 13 years. And sometimes when you're serving Jesus, you get all three. You got nothing left. Look, the disciples come back. They got all three. It's a triple threat. They're physically tired. They can't even eat. They've been traveling in sandals in the dirt for, for miles. They're spiritually exhausted. They heard Jehoshaphat's story. I'm just thinking of names from the Bible. Jehoshaphat's and Jonathan's and Sarai's story. They're, just, they're hearing these stories and they're feeling them. Some of you are good at this. You have this gift to like feel someone's pain. And you, you really listen. I'm, I'm not good at this. My wife is really good at this. She looks somebody in the eye and she really listens to their story. I'm like, how does she do that? But she listens, and, and the story actually creeps into, their, into your heart, and you're like, man, I feel that pain. I feel that story. I can't, I can't believe you went through that. I can't believe you had that wounding. And you take it upon yourself. These people are all three. They're all three. 
They've heard everyone's burdens. They prayed for everybody. And they come back. And, and I don't know if you, you saw it, but they're like, Jesus, do you, do you see what we did? Can you go back one, one, one scripture maybe? Yeah, go back one scripture. He said, do you, do you see what we did? He told them about uh, everything they had done. and taught. Do, do you see what we did? And this is what we do too. Jesus, was this good enough? Did, did you see how much I gave? Was that good enough? Did you see how I prayed for that person? Was that good enough? Did I give enough of my date? Their hands are full with their works and their actions for God. And they're like, Jesus, was that enough? They're, they're all three, triple threat, exhausted. And they're telling Jesus, look at all that we've done and taught. Is it good enough? And this is what we do. They even think, I don't know if exactly what they're thinking, but they're thinking, this is, this is a performance review in front of Jesus. Some of y'all got that performance review, God. You served Jesus all day, you gave him your best, and you come home and you're like, do you love me? And you think that Jesus is up there going, well, hold up. There's a couple of pros and cons with the way that you handled this thing. We could have handled this a little bit better. And you think that God is up there doing this pros and cons thing. I was just at a wedding. Uh, and, and it's a weird thing when you're a pastor. You show up, you haven't seen people in a while, and they immediately start confessing who they are. I'm like, bro, I did, I did not ask for that. We didn't even like ask about our families yet. And he's like, so I think it's about being a good person. I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm going to be here a while, right? Because I guess I'm a pastor. I just, I, do I have that face? I don't know. Uh, so I think it's about being a good person, right? Do you know what that person is doing in that moment? They're saying, am I good enough? Is what I offer to God good enough? Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're discovering Jesus, being a good person is really relative, right? You need, you need Jesus. He died for you on the cross and re- resurrected for, uh, for, for you, and, and so you can resurrect too in him. So it's not enough to be a good person, by the way, and we know that as followers of Jesus, but that's what he's trying to say. He said, is, is what I have in my hands good enough? And the disciples and us, we do the same thing. And so often in this moment, we listen to our past We listen to a voice in our head, and that voice in our head is telling us what we need to do better, uh, what we could do next. We think Jesus is up there going, look, man, you could have used the ABCs of evangelism. You could have had a little bit more power. You could have gave a little bit more money. How come you didn't pray for that person on on the train? How come you didn't look them in the eye? How come you didn't take that moment to tell them about me? And we think God is up there doing this performance review. And let me tell you something about that moment. That is indicative of how you see God. You think God is in a contractual relationship with you where he loves you based on what you can do for him. That's tough. You see God as this manager in the sky who's up, he's a CEO, he's like, I don't know, it was all right. But I died for you. you. Did you take up your cross today and follow me? We think he's up there with this performance review moment. We think that God is a God of works. These moments where you're hearing these voices are indicative that you think God is a God primarily of works and your value is based on what you offer him back. When while he was on the cross, you offered him nothing. (laughs) Maybe you grew up in a family and a culture where you had to perform like crazy and it was never good enough. Maybe you grew up in a church culture. Let me just apologize for church for the last, whatever, 3,000 years. <laughs> no, 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 that's too long. But <laughs> let me just apologize for every single church that said you are worth what you do or what you don't do for Jesus. 
This is not the makeup of God. Here, Jesus is focused on not review, but rest. Did you know that God is a God of rest? Here, Jesus is not focused on review. He's focused on rest. Compassion comes out of his socks. That's metaphor. He didn't have socks. But it comes out of his socks. And he's like, I love you. I have compassion on you. Come away. Here's the scripture one more time. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. No son, no daughter. I I don't want to do a performance review. I don't want to tell you what you did right, what you did wrong. Before I move on to the topic of the day, I want to ask you this question. Is the primary voice in your head that you think is from God, is that voice a voice of performance review? Or is it of a shepherd, a father who loves you and wants you to rest in him? Be honest with yourself. I can't be honest with you. You've got to be honest with yourself this morning. Is that God a God of performance review? Because if he is, you need, you need moments of reminder. Good night. You need to remind yourself of the scriptures. You've got to remind yourself of a God. The main beef that Jesus had with the people in the New Testament were these guys called Pharisees, these guys called Sadducees, uh, scribes of the law. His main beef with those main beef people is that y'all are tying a bunch of performance review burdens around everybody's necks. Now they think that I love them based on what they do, and so I need to rebuke you for it. That's his main beef. This is how he combats them. This is, this is Matthew 11. I love this. Close your eyes with me. Close your eyes with me. Come to me, all who labor, who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You can open your eyes. Don't fall asleep. I will give you rest. Not that kind of rest. I will give you rest. You need a reminder today. That again, Jesus rests no less than 11 times in the New Testament. You need a reminder today that God builds a random day of rest into creation. If you and I, if you and I created, don't lie, just, just go with me. If I created, I wouldn't even have talked about the seventh day. I would have just said, I did it at six. What's the point of mentioning the seventh day? The accolades come with doing it in six. But God builds an entire seventh day into the process and says this is for rest and relationship with me and you. When his people are in the desert for out of the skies, manna and quail, we don't eat them anymore. They were good. Just trust it, okay? Manna and quail. On the seventh, on the sixth day, he rains double, exactly double. Like the waiter of the skies, he's like, I'm just gonna put double the quail, double the manna, bam. So they go out of their tent, they get double, they go back into the tent and then they chill on the seventh day. This is a God of rest. This is not a God who values you based on what you do for him. This is not a God. Not, now, absolutely, Holy Spirit convicts us, teaches us how to, how to do works for him, how, how to love him back, teaches us how to love people. Absolutely, Holy Spirit brings all of that to the table. Jesus brings all of that to the table. But if the voice in your head is primarily a, a voice of performance review, then I think you need to remind yourself that God is a God of rest. One of his core values is that he loves rest. And I felt the whole week this, like, the whole week I felt like I'm walking in here and I'm about to tell Usain Bolt how to slow down. Y'all know who that is? A famous, really fast sprinter. I feel like I'm telling Usain Bolt to, to run slow, to yog. 
the combination of walking and jogging. Please, Usain, that's how I feel because this culture runs so hard and so fast with such a performance mindset. It started when you were young. It started with your parents. It started with the church that you went to. It's, it, it continued with your schooling. It, it continued with your CEO in the city. And now you're performing for everybody. You're running hard. You're running fast. And you think that's your value. So I felt like this week, what am I going to do to Usain to tell him to slow down? Seems impossible. But there has to be a shift in your heart and mind that God is a God of rest. The message today, if you care about, if you care about titles and you want to write it down, is a reminder of rest that one of God's core values, reminder of rest, one of God's core values is to slow down and spend time in relationship with him. But look, look, look. Don't take this away and go, man, Jesus loves me. He wants me to rest. I'm going to get 12 Manny Petties. I'm going to drink more. I'm going to watch more Netflix. Season four of Friends is burning on my Netflix. I'm going to just do that because Jesus loves me and he wants me to have more rest. There's rest and then there's wrong rest. There's right rest. Can y'all say right rest? One, two, three. There's right rest and then there's wrong rest. My son, J.D., He's six years old. I, I, my whole family's away right now. I miss him to death. I didn't know what I was doing myself this week. Um, my son, JD, uh, he, he loves video games. As six-year-old boys tend to love video games. He met a little friend here at church, and they had a little play date. Uh, and, and the friend sends my son a voice, a voice message. It was the cutest thing in the world. He's like, hey, JD, I asked my dad, because he was just visiting for two weeks, I asked my dad if I could give you Mario, I don't know, it's one of, Smash, uh, World, Mario and Amazon are taking over the world. I don't know which one it was. He's like, Mario Smash, I'm going to give it to you, JD. Uh, it, it was really good to meet you. I'm crying from the little voice message. JD looks up from the phone, and he's smiling from his toes to his forehead. He's like, is this what joy is? He's like, this is life. This is what Jesus means by joy. Like, he's just so excited about this moment. The problem is it's three days away. And three days to a six-year-old boy is, he might as well wait for 40 years in the desert for this thing, right? He's walking around every day. He's like, oh, when is this going to happen? When am I going to get Mario smashed? I don't, he's just walking around. The night before, he charges his Nintendo Switch. That's the thing. It's a thing now. Uh, he charges his Nintendo Switch, okay? And he says, Dad, I'm getting my game tomorrow. I'm like, oh, son, that's, that's great. That's great. Five minutes later, Dad, I'm getting my game tomorrow. He's just like, he's just into it. Next day, he wakes up. He comes to church. He gets the game. And he turns on his switch. And it doesn't turn on. If you know the face of joy on a child, you also know the face of pain. He had not plugged it in right. He had not plugged in the Nintendo Switch right. So he had to wait another three hours after church. I was still hoping he loved Jesus after this because he's like having to listen to a bunch of Jesus stuff while he's waiting to get his switch, right? I'm like, please still love Jesus after this. So, so he, he, he gets home, but, but man, he, he, he was in agony. Now, some of y'all are following me already. You think that you're plugging yourself in. I mean, you're exhausted, you're tired, and you start trying things. Unfortunately, sometimes we try, try dramatic things. We try a bunch of scotch. Or we think, I just need a vacation. Or we think, I just need to shop. 
we start trying things and we think we're plugging in the system, but we are not plugging in. There is a difference between right rest and wrong rest. And some of you, some of you have been on vacation, maybe you've been on vacation with kids and you think it's going to be restful and you go into it and you come back and you're so much more exhausted than you went. And everybody's like, how was your vacation? And you don't want to seem like you're ungrateful. So you're like, it was great. But inside you're like, I'm exhausted and I barely like my kids anymore, but it was great. It was great. And that's because you, you didn't plug in. There's right rest and there's wrong rest and and you plugged it in the night before and you woke up and you're more exhausted than the night before. You're like, I need 12 mani-pedis and a shopping spree and I'll be good. No, that's wrong rest. That's wrong rest. I need to watch every Star Wars and I'll be good. It's wrong rest. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not saying there's something sinful about it. What I am saying is you're going to wake up and you're going to hope that you're going to have joy from the bottom of your foot to the top of your face. You're going to be like, did I get rest? Am I ready to go? You're going to wake up and go, no, I'm not ready to go at all. Because there's right rest and there's wrong rest. And Jesus charges his disciples to not just get rest, but he charges them to get right rest. See, often rest is not about physically, upload, uh, physically, uh, physically unloading. Okay, let me say that again. Uh, often rest is not about physically unloading. It's about spiritually uploading. Often rest is not about physical rest. It's about spiritual perspective. So if you have this emotional or physical fatigue and you try to heal it with, with something else and you're wondering why you're still tired, it's because you didn't go to Jesus and ask him for the right type of rest. You probably need Perspective. You probably need a word from God. You probably need a certain relationship. You probably need quietness. Jesus is going to give you right rest. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I'm going to show you exactly in the scriptures how he comes up with right rest. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, had no leisure to even eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Notice three things here. Number one, Jesus is with them. Go ahead, pop that one up there. Jesus is with them. In other words, when you go away to rest, uh, go away with Jesus. Take Jesus with you. I've done this. I'm so guilty of this. I'm like, I'm going to hit the beach uh, or, or I'm going to go shopping or something. Uh, I got two days off in a row, which I barely ever get. And so I'm just going to go crazy with activity. And I'm in a rhythm. Hopefully you're in the same rhythm where you got to spend time with Jesus. It's a relationship. It's not a religion. I spend time with Jesus every day. And then I go on these things and I, and I don't bring Jesus with me. I don't spend time with Jesus. I don't pray. I don't journal. I don't, I don't worship. I don't spend time in silence. I don't ask God how he wants to heal me. I don't ask God for rest. I don't even take Jesus with me. But see, when they go away to a desolate place, they take Jesus with them. You got to take Jesus with you. 12 mimosas is not going to do it. You have to take Jesus into a regular rhythm. And then when you really need rest, you need to take Jesus with you. And next one, this is just as important. It actually tacks on to the next one. You, you don't have to take much more. Go ahead, Tony. You don't have to take much more. Just take Jesus and not much else. Let, let me tell you what this word desolate means. This word desolate comes from the Greek word aramos. And it means, yes, it means a solitary place where there aren't a bunch of people. But it also means there's not a bunch of amenities. It's the wilderness. And let me tell you something, when I came back from, mission, from missions trips, I just wanted amenities. I wanted American stuff. 
I wanted cheeseburgers and a lawn. Uh, you know, I, I, I wanted, you know, just, just trinkets. For me, it's sneakers. All right, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna confess. I wanted a new pair of Nikes. Like, why when I came back from a mission trip, I need, I'm like, I need a pair of Nikes. That's how I felt. I want amenities. I want Jordans. I need amenities, Jesus. They come back from this missions trip and Jesus takes them to a place of no amenities. Why? Because amenities don't heal your soul. They just don't. They don't feed your soul. They don't, they don't help you. Jesus is like, that's wrong rest. I'm not going to bring you to a bunch of... Now look, I don't know if you know the story of Elijah. I'll break it down in three seconds. Elijah is tired. Elijah is broke. Elijah's serving Jesus. And Jesus gives him a nap and a snack. So sometimes the thing that you need is a poop, a nap, and a snack. Praise the Lord. You just need it. And it's okay. That'll, that, sometimes that'll bring the healing that, that you need, but, but, but you have to go to Jesus and ask him for rest, and you can't bring much else, and let him feed you exactly what you need. Exactly what you need. Take Jesus with you. Don't take much else. Bring your Bible. Bring the scriptures, bring your journal. Don't bring a bunch of noise. Like, yo, we are done. Let me just, let me just, let me just confess before you. I am the worst at silence. I, I finally didn't have my kids for a day and a half and I'm filling my head with all sorts of noise. I've been blaming my kids for the noise for whatever, since they've been born. But I need it. And I'm desperate for it. And that is not a desolate place. And so I'm not allowing Jesus. We're done. We pull out our phone every three seconds. We're done. We have to get back to fasting and prayer and allow God to feed us in a desolate place. Allow God to give us exactly what we need. Some of y'all are not in this place and you're in this place. Number three, some of you need to need rest first. Some of y'all ain't working for Jesus at all. You're not tired for Jesus at all. You served one time last year and you were like, man, I need a break from this for like, I don't know, six months. You got to get tired first. These folks are tired. This should have went number one. I apologize. But these folks are tired. My goodness. They've been out there. They're not eating. They're casting out demons. Right? I mean, that's some crazy tired stuff right there. They're healing people. They're healing all. They're hearing all of Sandra's issues and they're traveling. They are tired and that's why they need rest. Some of y'all never get to the place where you're like, yo, I am tired and you need to get tired for Jesus. It's okay to be tired. At the end of the day, if I'm not tired for Jesus, I'm like, what did I do with my day? It's a good thing to be tired for Jesus. It's a good thing to give up a vacation, to give up, a, 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 I don't know, a, a holiday, to, 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 to serve Jesus on Christmas. It's a good thing to serve Jesus on Halloween. You're like, but I really love my Halloween routine. I give it up for Jesus. He died on the cross. You can give up Halloween. I don't know, bring kids candy and tell That's weird. Never mind. Uh, that was going to go somewhere really super weird. Uh, but just serve Jesus, okay? That's the point until you're tired. <laughs> Pray for me. It, it's a lot, okay? All right. There has to be a shift. That's the biggest point today. There has to be a shift in your soul. That Jesus is not some performance review CEO in the sky 
who values you based on what you've done for him and what you haven't done for him. There has to be a shift in your soul. That Jesus is a father and a shepherd who deeply loves you and wants to give you exactly what you need to rest in him. He wants your identity to be of someone who rests in him. Last verse, at least from this, from this scripture today. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns, and they got there ahead of him. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. That's Jesus. Look, I'm with you. Let me just have a time of confession real quick. I'm type A, ENTJ, red, green, all these tests. I I am that person that chases after things so extremely hard. And at the end of the day, as your pastor, I have to confess most of the time, I'm walking with my hands full of Jesus and going, do you love me still? Was that good enough today? I mean, the church is paying me. I got to put something forth. I got to. I got to put. Some, you're paying me, Jesus. This is my. This is my only job. This is all that I have to offer. Is it good enough? And then I get weighed down and tired because I don't really listen for His voice. I just listen to my voice. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're so bogged down by religion or your parents. Maybe you ran away from Jesus. Let me talk to y'all for a minute over here, over here in college. Maybe you grew up in a family because maybe you didn't come here for soccer. I'm not, I'm not, come on, I know Nyack. I know you, all you didn't just come here for Jesus. You're like, I want to worship Jesus and maybe play some soccer. Uh, come on, I know I, I came for the same reasons. Maybe you came like, and you left Jesus because you felt like the church was just, you were never good enough. That was that church. That was your family. That was your mother. That was your father. That is not Jesus. Jesus says, no, stop, stop, stop giving me your performance. Just just come to me. Rest in me. I'll show you what it looks like. Today, I'm going to read you um, Psalm 23, very famous psalm. If you'll close your eyes with me, I'm going to read you this psalm. Uh, And I'm also going to ask that the, the prayer squad would come forward and stand up front. I did not warn you, so I apologize for that. But squat up and come up front. Anybody who's on the lead team, anybody who's really good at prayer and listening and can hold confidentiality, you can come up front to pray for some folks. Um, I want to read this to you, and I want you to ask yourself, do I see Jesus as a Jesus of rest? And then I want you to ask yourself, do I need prayer because I need rest? Because I'm tired. Sometimes you get so t- religion is so tiring. This is what David says. David is under the real pressure. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There's nothing else I need. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I'm a sheep. He's the shepherd. I lay down in the places that he puts me. He leaves me beside still waters. Still waters are calm. They're good. They're perfect. He restores my soul. See, Jesus doesn't just care about your physical. He wants to go to the deepest places of you and restore your soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David's, David's on the reel here. People are chasing him. They're trying to kill him. To kill him. He's not playing. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you fit in this category? Let me pray for you this morning. And maybe you fit in this category where you're like, I need some rest. Prayer squad, would you, would you uh, pan out a little bit here just so they got places to go? It's good. Yeah, there's women and men. Perfect. All right. Jesus, I pray that you target, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you target the people who need rest this morning. I pray that you convict those who are not ever really getting tired for you. I pray that you bring them to the place where they know we need to get tired for Jesus. And for those who need rest, I pray that this would be the morning where they come forward, they get some prayer for needing some rest. God, let them confess it. Let them tear it out a little bit. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're tired. It's okay to confess that. Because I know you're the good shepherd who loves us and makes us lie down in green pastures. You may pray these things. Amen. Hey, during these last two songs, at any point, feel free to come forward and get prayer. These are safe people. They're not going to share your business with anybody. They're just going to pray for you. Just share your prayer request with them, uh, and they'll take it from there. Okay? Excuse me. For, for those of you uh, who are not coming forward, just stand up. Let's worship together, okay?